What's up, guys? Thank you for tuning in to the Rama Rundown, a podcast that follows the lives of a couple high schoolers in Las Vegas. My name is V. Ramakrishnan, and throughout the year, I'll be sitting down with my friends and my teachers to talk about our journey, perspectives, and lessons that we've learned along the way. Nothing's new under the sun, but I hope that we can help you see the world in a whole new light. Hi, welcome back to the fourth episode of the Rama Rundown. Today is a really special day because it's the first episode where I'm going to be introducing some of my teachers that I've had throughout my school year. All three of these teachers I've had for two classes in two different years, so I've gotten to know them pretty well over the span of my high school career. So I'm going to start off with Mr. Brian Rayfelt, who is who was my world history teacher mm-hmm. sophomore year, and is now my psychology teacher. Yes. Glad we got class. <laughs> That's a good start. (laughs) I I was in your gov class, and then I switched to Mr. Brown. (laughs) I'm sorry, got to remember. But you just want to introduce yourself, Mr. Rayfall? Hi. Hi. I've been with Clark High School my whole teaching career. Really? Um, And so that is 15 years now, I think. So this was the first school Mm -hmm. that I was officially hired at. He looks younger than he is, guys. (laughs) Okay, Miss. And then I have Miss Ashley Nevy. And she, I've also had her as a sophomore year teacher and this year. So I had her with AP Seminar. I don't know if you guys know this class, but it's a capstone program that was recently introduced us into a school. And so, yeah, so I had her, that's when I first met her. And then I didn't have a class with her last year, but this year I had her AP Lit, AP Literature. Hi, I'm Ashley Nevy. I have also taught the majority of my career here at Clark High School. So 12 out of my 14 years of teaching, I've been a charger two tenured vets and then we have miss robin brown i had her last year for ap learning and then currently i'm in her ap gov class hey vidu so i'm robin brown um this is my 11th year teaching 10 of those have been at clark and i also like mr rayfeld i started my career here at clark and then i had one one year where i was not at clark i call that the lost year um, I was in Oregon, Portland, Oregon. Oh, for you year. moved back? I moved back. I couldn't get enough then, of the Chargers. And then you came back. <laughs> I did. Because yeah. of us. Mm-hmm. And all three of you guys do extracurriculars outside the school. I know Mr. Rayfelt, you're a fantasy sports club <laughs> president. <laughs> Miss Brown, you're the speech and debate, obviously. And then Miss Navy, you do you do a lot with the with AP Capstone program pro promoting that you have an official position with ccsd right mm-hmm. promoting mm-hmm. capstone program mm-hmm. and so and you do chargers coffee house um student council does charger coffee house but now but i you're do really involved with that, right? i was yes um this year i'm not i'm not involved with that at all but i am advice i'm one of the advisors for spanish national honor society oh i didn't know we had that yes we do <laughs> where are you guys from originally i know miss brown's from wyoming Montana. Other Montana. rural state, yeah, Montana. Montana. Yeah, so I actually grew up in a uh, kind of like a resort ski town, um, cool. northwest corner. It's near Glacier National Park, and uh, yeah, very fishing, hiking, uh, skiing, outdoorsy, outdoorsy place. place yeah. Wait, you didn't live on, on a farm though, did you? I did not live on a no. farm, no, no. no. <laughs> I lived in like a suburb, very suburban, <laughs> but yeah. Oh, and then Miss Navy, you grew up in Michigan. I knew this. East yes. Rapids. Eaton Rapids. Eaton Rapids. Yes. So I grew up in a town of about 5,000 people. Uh, it was a predominantly agricultural town. And did you live on a farm? I did not live <laughs> on a farm. I did grow Catching up on, on multiple <laughs> acres of land. Uh, my first job was working at Gibbs Strawberry Farm, which was about was a mile from farm. my house. I didn't know that. Yes. Did you ever eat the strawberries when you just were hungry? Yes, I did. And now I don't really like strawberries at all anymore because I was around them for three summers of my teenage three life. Three years. Wow. Yes, three summers, three summers I worked on the farm. Did mm-hmm. you get in trouble for picking strawberries sometimes? Or no. no. I mean, I didn't eat enough that, that Farmer Gibbs was like losing a profit <laughs> or anything like that. I think they would expect There was no profit do. loss there. Yes. Yes. Actually, maybe got a nice strawberry profit. a couple bushels. I know. <laughs> Got red stuff. Yeah. Hey, Mr. Rayfield, I actually don't know where you're from. I. It depends how you define where you're from. Grew up because uh, I. Majority of your childhood. I I because I've I've lived in Las Vegas since seventh grade. Wow. Seventh grade. Really? So I guess I would normally say I'm from here. Vegas. Yeah, and then I lived in Illinois before that. Illinois. And then Chicago? Boston before that, in Urbana. Urbana. That's where the University of Illinois is. 
And then why are you a Packers fan? My family is from Wisconsin. Oh, okay. <laughs> My family's from, <laughs> family's from Wisconsin, but you lived in Boston, <laughs> Illinois, and now you're right. yourself in Las Vegas. Yeah. So when I was so I lived in, when I was little, I lived in Boston, and that I like baseball was Red my Sox. favorite sport, and yeah. so I was a Red Sox fan. And then I didn't really catch on to football until later, and so I adopted the Packers because that's what my family rooted for. Are you a Lions fan? Missouri? I'm not really like and, an NFL fan. I'm a I'm a 49ers fan because 49ers my husband fan. is, but that's Rocky. really all. Yeah, just spousal <laughs> obligation. <laughs> I grew up a Seahawks fan, and oh, I was yeah. really into the Seahawks. Because when I lived in Seattle, they were good. and they Really? Yeah. Really? Really. Were, really. <laughs> I didn't know yes, like, when were. I think of Seattle, I think of 2014. And Russell Before they won the Super Bowl. So they, like, won. And, like, Steve Largent? The NFC Championship. No, it was Matt, Matt Hasselbeck. Matt. And um, who was the Oh, I'm trying to remember. I know you're talking really about. Good. Sean Alexander. Yes, uh, that's no. what I was thinking of. Shout out the running back. Yeah. Was it him? No. He, was, he, was he got like 20 back. touchdowns in a year? Yeah. He, Maybe. He, but I'm sure they had other good players. Yeah. Touchdowns. There's one I'm thinking of that, that's not him, but anyway, yeah. But then Seahawks fans are really obnoxious now, <laughs> so I kind of really? went away from I the Seahawks. I, don't really, I think Cowboys uh, fans are obnoxious. Oh, that's yeah. true. I'm a Cowboys probably fan. Probably lots of NFL teams. Yeah, fans yeah. Fans, yeah. Fans, but... But you guys are pretty good about it. Mr. Rayfield doesn't really annoy me about the Packers or anything. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, why do you guys choose to teach? Because I know you have a lot of interests outside of, you know, just the academic realm. And you guys have a lot of unique experiences. But what really specifically led you to, you know, pursue a career in teaching? Um, well, I, I kind of came about it through a um, the long way, I guess you could say. Like, I didn't know... Like some people know, like early on that yeah. they want to be teachers and, and that wasn't the case for me. So when I started college, I didn't know what I wanted to do. No. Um, I actually thought I was going to go into engineering. Um, and then it turns out I'm not good at math. <laughs> you need that apparently. <laughs> so, uh, and I was looking for something to do. And so one of my friends was, was pursuing a degree yeah. in education. And so I decided to, you know, to try that and take some classes. At and, UNLV? Yeah, 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 through UNLV. Um, and so I really liked it. And then once we got to when we do our practicums, um, where you're kind of like, you're in a classroom and you do at least the, you know, when I was going through it, you teach a little bit, like you do a lot of the observation and then you teach a few lessons and you, you know, you learn from the teacher who's in the classroom. Oh, is that student teaching basically? Like the student teacher? Yeah, it's basically like that. It's Uh sort of part of that whole, that whole, yeah, system. And so, um, and then when I did that, I, I really liked it and I really kind of felt like you know, this is what I should be doing. And I, I enjoyed it. And I, I felt like I was in the right place. And I, I just liked the idea of, you know, something that was bigger than myself and wasn't necessarily all about me. And I've never been like a huge, just like money person. Yeah. And so that was fine. When it gets to, <laughs> to yeah, you gotta, you gotta get used to that. If you're uh-huh. a teacher, right. especially. But did you know that you wanted to be a high school teacher specifically? Or do you just want to, you know, teach in general and give back? Um, I knew I did not want to do elementary. Yes. <laughs> I thought, That's what they all said. And then I thought I would prefer high school. Um, in a way, kind of like for this reason, like with, with high school kids, you can have a, like a conversation, conversation that, yeah. that feels like a normal conversation. Mm, and, definitely. And I remember like one of my practicums as a middle school and middle schoolers are so funny <laughs> because they're like, they just say such weird things and. <laughs> It's, it's, it's they different. They smell weird. Yeah, and then you know, and, and and with high school, I could teach a class like AP. That's you know, advanced. Yeah, I think I have like. So you this, feel like academic yourself? Yes, I'm. I'm. I guess I'm a, an intellectual. Yeah, you're an expert in the field. Well, I don't know about that. We'll just say so for psychology. All right, and how about you, Miss Needy? You told me a little bit about your academic journey, but explain it to people. So when I was really involved in high school, just like you were um, in a lot of clubs, and I was very involved in band, and I took all the highest level classes. And you I liked really, anatomy, right? Yeah, yeah, anatomy really is what turned me on to my love of uh, science, and I, I thought that I was going to become a doctor. Mm-hmm. And my anatomy teacher nominated me to do an internship at Villanova University between my senior year of col- high school and my freshman year of college. And, um, I spent two weeks kind of doing something similar to HOSA. So problem solving with medical, um, you know, issues, ethics and that type of thing, 
we got to follow doctors around on rounds and we I got to see a cadaver and hold a human brain in my hands and you know really really cool experiences but at the end of it it just wasn't something that I was really passionate about it was something I was interested in but it wasn't something that I was passionate about and so I kept racking my brain about what I wanted to do with the rest of my life and I knew I wanted to do something where I was constantly interacting with people and I was helping them and I wasn't just you know stuck behind a desk on a computer all day. Um, although ironically we are required to do a lot of that yeah. teachers, <laughs> but, uh, and then teaching just kind of came to me as an epiphany. And from there it's always felt right. I mean, we live in Vegas, so there's like a lot of service industries, but like, is there a certain reason why you just, it's just, it's just a feeling of teaching other people and giving back that made you pick teaching over like all these other service careers that are like available here? Well, I decided to do this when I was still living in Michigan. Oh, okay. So Michigan is really an interesting place because it's still very agricultural. There's also a lot of tourism and there's a lot of jobs that are related to the big three, GM, Ford, and Chrysler. Oh. So a lot of engineering jobs, mm -hmm. human resources, yeah. factory jobs, that kind of, well, at least there were when I was living there. That's <laughs> pared itself down yeah, quite yeah. a bit. So the service options weren't, weren't as good weren't, as, right, as weren't, it is now today. Right. Oh, okay. It's funny because I, I, I know these stories about these two yeah. kind of just from being yeah. friends with them, but it's it's been a while since I've heard, so I'm like, oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> um, kind of honestly similar. Mm -hmm. So not engineering or medicine, but I knew from like the day I was a little kid I was going to be a lawyer, oh, and yeah. I operated under the assumption I'd be a lawyer all the way through. I was... A debate kid in high school shocker there um, and so I, I went to college I majored in political science I kind of added the English degree yeah. like as an afterthought because I had a lot of credits in that already and and I I graduated from college and I started to study for the LSAT the law school admissions yeah. test and I worked at a law firm for a year and was like oh yeah law law oh. and and probably about a month into the law firm job I was like oh my gosh I would rather kill myself than do this job really? And I realized that what I liked about, like, law was thinking about it and talking about it yeah. and, like, researching it and not really, like, practicing the actual it. practicing mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I thought, kind of like Miss Nevy, I had, like, a little mini epiphany where I had worked at the writing center um, mm -hmm. in college. And I was like, oh, I really liked that. That was fun. I got a lot out of that. I liked working with students. Yeah. I was like, maybe I should think about being a teacher. And for me, it was kind of complicated because both my parents were high school teachers. And so I thought I would never do that because I saw the downside yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like the long hours and the, as we've said, not very high salary. And so I thought, oh, do I really want to do that? But then I started taking, you know, classes in my master's program and I, I realized quickly, like I really did like it. And, you know, working with kids is very rewarding. Like it, the pay is not great and yeah. the, the hours are long and but sometimes it is frustrating, but it really is. it's emotionally, yourself. it is, it is like, yeah. like Mr. Rafael said, like giving back and, something yeah. bigger than yourself so are lawyers actually like really depressed and when they practice <laughs> so I know a couple of my really good friends are lawyers and they really enjoy it I think um lawyers in my experience tend to be like work hard play hard kind of people where uh -huh. they kind of burn out and work really long hours and then they also kind of go a little hard on the partying um, and I think like also that looks a little unsustainable yeah. you know like as a lifestyle yeah. you're like do I really want to work 80 hours a week and then party right so yeah <laughs> i think and i also think in terms of like time like t like they say like time is money yeah. and so like the fact that we get summers off and mm -hmm. a lot of vacation mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. you know like sometimes it's not easy to think about it that way when mm -hmm. you when you look at your yeah. your your paycheck but yeah. sometimes it's it's like we also have an excellent retirement plan mm -hmm. which sounds probably to a high school kid like who cares about that but really you should start caring about it now because if you want to retire yeah. and enjoy a large chunk of your mm -hmm. life you really should start thinking about how can I save money now mm -hmm. yeah and Vegas isn't the Vegas a great place for retired people mm -hmm. like they have a lot of communities like Anthem mm -hmm. Sun City that are and it's a lot of the suburbs around Vegas are really safe I think mm -hmm. I think like Henderson's I saw it on Forbes. It was like rated fifth safest city really? in it America. Is. Mm -hmm. So I think Vegas mm -hmm. is a really good. I don't know if you want to stay here, obviously, but I think Vegas is a really good spot for retirement. Mm -hmm. And I was just wondering because 
you're from you went to uh, Northwest, right, in mm-hmm. Seattle. Yep. <laughs> so people are lawyers in Seattle. That's like depression on depression. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seattle's like the most depressed city in America, right? Like, yeah, like depression squared. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Is it where Google? Google? Where, I think we're up there too. Yeah. Las Vegas. Vegas. Las Vegas. Yeah. Really? Like suicide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because of gambling. The gambling. gambling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I didn't substance think abuse. of that. Yeah. That's true. I thought. Also, I thought there's a lot of cities in Michigan that you know Flint. Mm-hmm. Know, I know Detroit's not what it used to be mm-hmm. after the crash mm-hmm. recession. It's yeah. coming back. Well, Detroit really hasn't been what it was since like the '60s. Yeah, but it when is. The lines it is good. Yeah, <laughs> but Detroit has, is coming back actually quite That's a bit. Um, what's unfortunate is that because a lot of people our age and younger are moving back and buying up all of these properties, that it's becoming very gentrified. So families that could only afford to live in the city of Detroit for generations are now getting pushed out Um, by people who want to come in and invest in local businesses and real estate. So that's, that's unfortunate. Um, But Detroit really is a very cool city and Flint, um, Flint has been a very high need city since I was very young. And unfortunately it has just gotten worse and worse and worse. And the, that community has been taken advantage of in ways that are so inexcusable. It uh, just makes it makes my heart hurt and it makes my blood boil all at the same time. Yeah, it's sad to hear things about that. But going back to positives about teaching, yes, you guys all did it because you wanted to, you know, give back to the kids. You felt like it was rewarding. But this is a question that I've always had. It is it's been interesting because you guys are putting weird position as teacher because as teachers because you had to maintain a certain level of professionalism. But at the same time, you guys are working, at least you guys are working with high school students. So how do you like strike the balance between, you know, being a teacher and trying to give back to you, to your kids, basically, they spend so much time with, but also being there, like also being a professional about it. And, you know, you, there's certain lines that you can't cross, mm-hmm. especially in developing relationships with students, even though you want to be with, you want to be for, there for them emotionally. So can you talk about like the struggles of striking that balance? Yeah, you know? I think um, for me, it's been hard when, kids will confide things that are just heartbreaking and and you you know as like a human you want to be compassionate and help and you know situations that are really really awful that no one should have to go through and like I think the the wonderful thing we have at Clark is we have such good resources here Mm -hmm. like we have some really fantastic counselors and administrators who and that's what I found myself doing a lot is like I'm not sure how to handle this situation or you know, I, I've been made aware of some stuff that's really yeah. terrible and, like, just reaching out to them. And I think that's really nice, too, knowing that you're not in it yeah. alone. Like, that, you know, kids maybe would confide in you, but you, you have, like, resources you can reach out to. We have to. our own support yeah. system. Does, do a lot of people use – I think there's a school psychologist. Yeah. It? Yeah, we, we do have a school psychologist. Um, I've never seen him until last year. Yeah, because I think it's something where it's like people are referred on the so they go to his office is kind of hidden, kind of right. But you got do you do you two have any struggles with you know trying to find the balance? So when you ask this question, the first thing that came to mind is that age and experience help a lot when you're drawing those lines. Um, You know, all of us have really kind of now that I think about it, have all kind of grown up professionally at Mm -hmm. Clark and with each other. And so a lot of it is just experience, um, to go back to what Miss Brown said. It's also relying on a team. So whether that's another English teacher or another teacher like Mr. Rayfeld like, that we share or going to the counselor mm-hmm. or admin, it's about doing what's best for a student. And also trying to let them know that if you've been in a situation that's been similar. So I have many students whose parents have gotten divorced and sometimes divorce is very ugly and it's very painful. And my own parents went through a pretty ugly divorce when I was in high school. And, um, I'm very comfortable sharing that with students because I understand what that, what that felt like and the pain. And, um, so I, this is, I think really it's just, it's being able, when students come to you with personal issues, it's, you need to be able to take a step back and spend a couple of minutes just thinking about what is the best way to respond and that being an effective teacher and mentor doesn't automatically mean that you have a response right away. Sometimes it is okay to take a step back and say, you know, I really need to think about that. 
or let me answer part of your question right now and then let's talk about it more later. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it is really just kind of a case-by-case basis. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, too, you just have to, as a professional, say, that's not really something that I can talk to you about or that we can talk about. That's not what my role is as a teacher. So you also have to be willing to draw that line when necessary and just explain, like, this isn't really a professional thing for us to be talking about or that's not a professional question. Maybe you need to think a little bit more about how you're verbalizing what you're asking me. Yeah, that's sometimes hard to do because, like Ms. Brown said, people have really these terrible circumstances that, you know, you can't imagine yourself going through that. But, you know, sometimes you do have to, you know, draw the line because also your job's at, at the line, too, if you do mess up. Even though if you're, trying, you're doing it for the right reasons, yeah. teachers have a certain code of conduct that they have to follow, obviously. Mm-hmm. You, know, get, you get all these news stories about teachers mm-hmm. and what they do with their students. <laughs> and you got to realize that it's becoming a bigger issue. And even though our initial instinct is, you know, you want to help out wherever we can, so you just got to look back. You got to step back and look at it. I like that. Yeah, I think they all Saturday. Um, yeah, I, I would yeah. say it's gotten Same easier as I've gotten older. Um, <laughs> sometimes I think I'm I'm too professional. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 feel like, I don't know anything so, about you, Mr. Sometimes Hayes. I'm like hard, I'm hard to get to know because I'm I'm an introverted person, and um, so it's it's easy for me to keep a boundary. Sometimes I feel like I need to loosen up a yeah. little bit, but. Especially during a fantasy football draft, you're just sitting there in your office. You won't talk to any of us, and then all of us are just sitting up there. Well, it's hard because I'm like I'm at my office computer, and that's true. And it's harder, but yeah. yeah. Are you an introvert? Because I like talking to you now. I feel like you're pretty outgoing and everything. Uh, no, I'm I'm definitely an introvert. I think like you learn to be more extrovert in this job. You know, you have to talk to people, but like I'm very comfortable like just doing stuff by myself and. You know, kind of having my alone time and things like, <laughs> like to think thoughts. You two like are that. extroverts, right? Definitely. Yeah. Yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you didn't teach whatever subject you're teaching right now, what subject would you pick? I'm so. If you... So a class we would teach if we weren't teaching what we were currently yes, teaching, or a subject that you just ex- want to explore. Hmm. Uh, I would say so. It doesn't require that you're necessarily oh, good no. at that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Why is it math? Okay, that opens me up. I'm not <laughs> yeah. Well, math? I <laughs> engineering and math. Um, well, kind of like I really like physics. Like I like to learn about oh, physics and physics. Um, and so, yeah. So that's something um, that I would do. Um, that explains the engineering. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Really so like yeah. So I've always been drawn to like the sciences, like the theoretical stuff behind it. Or like the, the nitty gritty math and numbers part. Um, I would say more like theor- theoretical kind of things. So things. yeah, less like um, equations, equations. Yeah, if a ball drops from a height of twenty five, right. you know, maximum stuff like velocity. Lo- yes, less stuff like that. But like yeah. like space related things. And, and <laughs> I can see time and gravity things like that. Holes, yeah, mm-hmm. philosophy would yeah. be another yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely, I could see you teaching that. Yeah. My favorite class in high school is actually art. Art. I loved art. A specific I, type of art or jigs? Um, art so, hmm, I liked painting. That was like yeah. the thing I enjoyed most. Yeah. I, I'm certainly not good enough to teach art, but are I you liked it by the a way? lot. No, I'm right-handed. Okay. I know left-handed people are more likely to be artistic. artistic yeah, just, just um, I think it would be really fun. Because I think like, you know, like our art teachers here, like their classrooms are very like, very calm and nurturing yeah. and mellow and like <laughs> a lot of like, kids kind of pursuing what they're interested in and you know yeah. that's cool like that's a cool environment creative environment and also to be honest like it would be nice not to teach to a standardized test i was yeah, gonna say true. that yeah you don't have a heavily tested right mm-hmm. so i think i'd enjoy that all right uh i would love to teach anatomy <laughs> i'm so fascinated by the human body and how it works um and so but if i couldn't teach that um i would love to teach a yoga class so mindfulness and like a self-care class kind of kind of like a self-care class i would love to teach a cultural studies class i don't think there's enough cultural awareness taught on any high school campus yeah kind of just a coverall of here's a little bit about every major religion here's Mm -hmm. a little bit about major cultural groups um here's a little bit about history on each continent but more of a cultural focus mm-hmm. than what you might learn in world history or gov or something like that mm-hmm. all right so well, i would dance remind me i i would want to teach music too music certain oh, instrument yeah. you, do you play it i play guitar guitar yeah that's interesting because i feel like especially with 
art and music, those are the things that I do to kind of relieve my stresses, you know, mm-hmm. kind of take yeah. me in a different place. Right. Yeah, right. it's relaxing. It's yeah, it is. Yeah, it really is. So on that note, um, we're gonna, this is going to be the end of the first segment. At the other side of the break, we're going to have our first edition of Split the Room. Back to the second segment of the Rama Rundown. So this is the first time I'm doing this, but I'm going to be introducing a new segment every week. This segment is called Split the Room. So I'm going to introduce an intriguing topic that could draw a lot of different perspectives. Episode, we'll be talking about the Alexander Holmes trial. So let me you know, just give you guys a quick rundown about what happened. So in 1842, a ship struck an iceberg and more than 30 survivors you know, were crowded into a lifeboat that only had a carrying capacity carrying capacity of seven as the storm came it was it became obvious that you know the lifeboat would have to be lightened if anybody were to survive so the captain alexander holmes reasoned that the right thing to do in the situation was to force some of the people to go overboard so that everybody doesn't just drown um such an action he reasoned was not unjust to those thrown overboard because they would have drowned anyways if they would have just stayed on um, some people opposed the decision, but not, there was nothing they could do, and the captain ultimately picked the strongest people so that they could row to survival, and they and they did end up getting um, found by authorities, and they got brought back, and so some of them did survive, but a lot of people got kicked off and drowned. You know, they came to safety. He got put on trial for murder, and they were trying to decide whether he should be convicted whether he acted out of you know self-defense and it's a necessity save as many people as you can those are your duties as a captain or whether you know it's cold blood murder because you you know kicked certain people off the boat uh, i just want to hear what you guys would think about that situation and if you were on the jury how would you have decided so many things <laughs> i know so like this is actually like i'm interested in in normative ethics and this is like kind of really yeah. the heart of that so like the difference between deontology and consequentialism and it's I don't know any of these words so deontology is the idea that uh like an act in and of itself is moral or immoral like Mm -hmm. the the action itself right so like killing those people moral or immoral but consequentialists would say the consequence of the action is what's moral or immoral exactly so you have to look at the consequences so and I I tend to come more down on the consequentialist side that like you have to look at the consequences of the action Mm -hmm. so but I don't know if I would have um, saved the strongest people. Yeah. I think that that's something else you might consider. Like, I tend to think, like, um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of John Rawls' theory of justice. So mm-hmm. Rawls talks about, like, making the least well-off better off. And so, to me, so that... helping the poor? Um, kind of, like, that, that, like, you should... This is, like, a super abbreviated version of Rawls, so... But, like, he's, he says that you should help the people who are least well off be better off not necessarily make them equal to yeah. the top but like help them out so like i feel like saving the strongest people is kind of an immoral might not be what i would do in that situation mm-hmm. i might try to make it more of like a combination of like one strong rower in the boat and like or just try to make it as random as possible yeah or maybe mm-hmm. randomly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so were all the people in? So you had these thirty people, yeah. right, in, in seven spaces, yeah. and and so they were all in the lifeboat. They had thirty people in the, in the lifeboat. lifeboat, and then they realized that the storm was coming. And you know, if they all and, they, and the there, lifeboat was in the water. Yeah, the yeah. Okay, and so he kicked out. Don't know the, the twenty-three. Yeah, well, I don't know how many it is, but he kicked out enough so that they could row and survive. Okay, um, and so. I don't know, I'm just wondering, like, those, like, if you're a person who's kicked out, and, and he's what like, all right, do? well, I mean, yeah. are you just like, all right, uh, <laughs> right. that's too bad, like, I'm just, I'm just thinking, right. if I'm one of those people, I, I, just I might be like, no, I'm not getting off the boat. <laughs> what did that right. conversation look like? Right. Like, how did, how did he actually yeah, like, how, like, how did he get, did he shoot them first and throw them right. off, or right. did he, like, Good question. <laughs> did he just yeah. throw them off, and they're just drowning there? Mm-hmm. Okay. But I guess we're just assuming yeah, that. Just as, yeah, just assume that, you know, once they're off, they're not part of the problem anymore. Mm-hmm. But he did end up saving, you know, the seven with the seven people or how many ever there were. And they in the case they did say that if he hadn't kicked anybody off, they probably would have all drowned anyways. Right. It's hard because like we do ethical dilemmas yeah. in class. And and so when we do those, kind of the point is that you have to accept the premise right. of 
of the dilemma. But since this is a real life thing, yeah. it's a little bit different. So part of me is saying, okay, like the premise is they definitely would have all died yeah. if he hadn't mm-hmm. done that. Yeah. But on the other hand, do we know that for sure? Yeah. Like, right. could that lifeboat have, you know, Maybe taken a few more people? Or? Like the door in Titanic that definitely could have held both Jack and Rose on it. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't think that the str- taking the strongest was necessarily the right thing to do, especially because how do you, how do you Define tell? Like, it's, and, mm-hmm. and it seems like they're in an emergency situation. I don't know if he has like time to like go through and be like, all right, yeah. and how much can you lift, and how much <laughs> yeah, can right. you lift, and, yeah. and then and, the, you have kids there probably. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming like there's, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe if you had kicked some of the stronger people off, you would be able to fit more people exactly. on the boat. Yeah, that's true. Well, and also adrenaline makes people who maybe would normally not be able to row just the boat able to go row crazy. The boat, mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Let's just assume. For, th- for this conversation's sake, that you know, if he didn't, if he hadn't done it, then they would have drowned. Mm-hmm. So you, you can assume that. But if let's put put yourself in the p- position of Alexander Holmes, and you know you're you're the captain of the boat, and you feel like you have a responsibility. I don't know about you, but if I was the captain, I'd feel like I'd have the responsibility to save as many of my passengers as I can. Um, although you you know I would approach it differently, probably you know randomness. I would ultimately I I thought about it a lot. I feel like I still would have kicked some people off because I do end up wanting want to save as many people as I can do you guys feel the same way that it's a necessary action that you know you don't take your chances with 30 people and you know you try to increase your chances of survival by you know randomly picking people to go off the boat yeah um if we're if we're just kind of assuming you know the, the premise of that then I think yeah you have to eventually kick some people off. I will say, I don't know if this is a myth or not, but isn't the captain supposed to go down with the ship? I was yeah. thinking the same like, thing. Like, why didn't he sacrifice himself? I feel like he could have said, all right, everybody else. I'm getting off. Right. We'll do a random, you know, right. random thing. And, you know, this is the... Right. Or everybody, like, in your family decide who's staying and who's going. Right. Yeah. Kind of right. thing. Um, and then, yeah, and then you get your people that way. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't I don't think he should have ended up on no. the, the boat. He that shouldn't even be there in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, would, do you think there'd be more chaos that way? Because there's no distinctive, like, who's leader. leader to take charge? Like, who gives you the power to take charge, right? Mm-hmm. The captain has some sort of authority because just his, like, you know, he has, some, he has a title, right? Some mm-hmm. people have to, like, submit to his will, whether it's good or whether it's bad. Mm-hmm. I think it causes less chaos, his presence there, right? Could be, yeah. That's mm-hmm. a good thought. Well, so if you, but you, if you were the captain, you would have done this. I mean, you would have stayed on the boat, but if you got on the life raft, well, you would have kicked people off. Yeah, eventually. Yeah. I mean, yeah. For if we're if you're saying like the captain stand on the life raft and mm-hmm. and if you don't, if the thing's gonna sink if you don't kick people off. Then I guess you find a way to do that. Um, I'm just wondering, like how, like in the survival situation, mm-hmm. how does like do people really care about leadership and that? Right. You know, if the leadership is telling you that you're gonna die, well, you might advocate for a change in leadership. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you guys were the captain, you would have done the same thing. Yeah, same it's like approach. that consequentialist thing again. Like, you, you, like the more more people will be saved. So you have to look at the total number of lives saved versus mm-hmm. like, is it okay? Is it okay to throw people overboard? No, but it's but, better than letting all people die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I. Mm-hmm. No, I I agree with everything that's being said, and I think you know if he was a true captain. captain, maybe he would have put someone else That's in true. charge and he would have sacrificed himself so that one other person could live. I think it's easy for me to say that, but if I was put in the situation, I can't see myself sacrificing. Like, it's hard to do it when you're actually there. Mm-hmm. Like, having, like, I gotta stay with the ship and, like, until it drowns. I know it's a pride thing and, you know, mm-hmm. you, know you wanna go out with honor, you know, and you wanna do what's best for your passengers. <laughs> But I can't see myself not going on the life raft if I was, if I was a captain, right? Because right. yeah, there's some like, sort of selfishness that we all have. That mm-hmm. oh yeah, and like survive. And there have been you know situations throughout history where people have done extreme things in survival. So yeah, so it is easier for us to like say sit here yeah. and say like, oh, I would oh, never do yeah. that. But if mm-hmm. you're the one, and and you know, I think in those people will often do what it takes to save themselves. You know, yeah. and. If we've never been in that situation, we don't really know what we would do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay, let's put our, you know, our perspectives in the perspective of a juror now who's listening to this case being told. The captain's pleading that, you know, he did this. It wasn't an easy decision, but he had to do this because he wanted to save as many lives as possible. Would you find him guilty of murder for throwing, and knowing how he did it, you know, with the 
weakest going off and the strongest on the boat, would you still convict him of murder? And if you did, how long would you think Do we, can we uh, Can we challenge the premise or are we stuck with just murder? Like what I'm saying with is... Degree. Yeah, like can we, can we give him like reckless endangerment or something? Do they have this murder? stuff in 1842? Uh, like, I don't know. I don't know. Did they even have like degrees of murder then? Yeah, I don't think they had degrees of murder. Yeah. <laughs> but... So just murder. and this was long before Titanic. Let's just say prison, yeah, or you know, he right. walks he walks free, or he goes to prison. Oh man! I'd like to hear from the other witnesses, the other <laughs> survivors. I think it's problematic that he didn't go down with the ship. No. Definitely, really? Yeah, a little. And I think in the context of the time period, probably most people would probably have found him guilty mm-hmm. because it was a pretty moralistic society at that yeah. time. Huh. I don't know. I'm probably not guilty. <laughs> yeah. for, like, for me, when I think about it, I don't know. I can't really put myself in the, the, mm-hmm. time, in the time period. But, like, when I... I feel like... I feel bad if I sentence him, you know, if I to prison for making a really tough decision that no one should ever have mm-hmm. to make that decision mm-hmm. in the first place. I think... But, I mean, if I were an actual juror, I would probably find him not guilty knowing that he's going to live with the guilt of what he did for the rest of his <laughs> life. And like, and for, right, his, that would be his albatross. Yeah. Nice, nice solution there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I also, if I was a juror, I would think he lived through all of this and now I'm going to sentence him to death. Yeah. You know, like, hasn't he been through enough? There's that human part of you that kind of, I don't know if it ruins your thinking, but it definitely changes how you view the situation. Mm-hmm. If you If you did a totally logical, like, no emotion involved. It's definitely murder because he threw people overboard. Right. But, you know, you want to empathize with the situation. And, and, you know, if you were in that situation, I probably would have done the same thing. Maybe not the, the way he did it, but... So I don't. I think that I would, you know, set him free. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, what other punishments were there, you know, fines. I mean, sentence him to teach swimming lessons for the rest of his life. <laughs> so that everybody had a better chance of surviving. No. <laughs> he has to relive it all the time. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, community worry anything, but I would set him free. Um, yeah, I, and I would I would say you would need you know some evidence to make it beyond a reasonable doubt mm-hmm. that that he no, should be guilty. True. And mm-hmm. so you know, it, if I had something that said like he did not need to do this, mm-hmm. then maybe I, I would say that mm-hmm. that he was guilty of some negligence or murder. Right. But other than that, just kind of knowing the, mm-hmm. the basic facts that we know, then he saved mm-hmm. you know he saved lives, and at least some people got home as. As sad as it is, and right. really the only evidence you would have would be eyewitness testimony right. yeah. of the people who and survived, of all people who, oh yeah, yeah. of right. all the people who were that chosen. were super panicked already. <laughs> the really testosterone. <laughs> we all made it back. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. So after 16 hours of deliberation, the jury found Alexander Holmes guilty wow. on mm. April 23rd, 1842, and from the official court report notes, the verdict was given with some difficulty and was accompanied by the jury's recommendation for mercy. Uh, so he, he was sentenced to six months in prison and a $20 fine. Um, I don't really know how much that's probably changed because that was 1842. Mm-hmm. Six months a lot? Wait, 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 six, six months oh, a lot of prison sentence? No. no. Oh, no. Burger. I thought you meant the yeah. fine. Yeah. Oh, it's fine. Fine was probably a lot, right? $20 yeah, 20 back bucks, then? Yeah, 20 bucks. A couple hundred bucks now, maybe? So I guess not that much. Yeah. 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 When, uh, I saw, I saw, when I saw guilty at first, I thought it'd be, it'd be pretty harsh, but like reading the... You know conditions. I thought he kind of got off pretty good. So it must they, they must have had some some sort of mercy. degrees of murder. Mer- mer- right. Yeah, murder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like the mercy thing also kind of um, played into it. Do you think that punishment was fit for the crime, less or more? What do you guys think? Sounds good to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I I usually don't agree with eighteen forty two people. Right. Exactly. Uh, but that sounds fairly reasonable. I think they should have called him a witch. <laughs> <laughs> How did he survive? (laughs) (laughs) Was this was this the Salem witch trials? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, that was was yeah. Yeah. This is like right before the Civil War, right? I think this is in the UK. I didn't do one. Oh, really? Okay. I I think so. I I'm pretty sure. No, maybe maybe it's different that way. But I think it was a pretty not a bad. I didn't want to punish him, so I I think this punishment was Mm -hmm. fit. Mm-hmm. It was not. It's nothing too bad, and maybe I think the biggest punishment is probably his conscience, you know. And maybe that thing about you. Sh- a lot of people are probably telling him you should have stayed on the boat, 
-hmm. and then I think his honor might have been tainted his yeah. legacy I don't know what happened to him afterwards but Ooh. that's probably um, yeah and then so this c case actually set a precedent for you know future cases and it said that the ancient defense of self-preservation is not always adequate adequate to you know absolve somebody of murder so a lot of other cases kind of look back at this hmm. and say you really you can't just say self-defense you killed somebody because of self-defense mm -hmm. you had to really look at the details mm -hmm. and prove without a reasonable doubt that and you, there was no other option that you could have taken, no other course that you could take in to prevent that life being mm -hmm. taken. Yeah. All right, so I hope that you guys find that interesting. Yeah, definitely, yeah. for sure. And so, so this is going to be the end of the second segment. And on the other side of the break, we'll be talking about college experiences, where these guys went to college, my teachers, and some of their you know experiences, memories. Welcome back to the third segment on the Rama Rundown. And on this segment, I know a lot of you guys are, um, you go to your high schools right now, so you're thinking about going to college. And I know all three of these teachers probably have a lot of different experiences that, you know, they can share and a lot of different pieces of advice about, you know, their college experiences. Uh, like we went over before, Miss Brown went to college in, um, in Seattle, mm -hmm. you know, Miss Neby, Michigan State, and Mr. Rayfeld right here in UNLV. What, what is the best or the most memorable part of your college experience? If you could just name one thing. Um, I would say just, like, the access and openness to, like, a bunch of new ideas. I, I, I just remember, like, really liking that environment. It's just, like, you know, taking in all sorts of different perspectives and learning about different things. And, and maybe it's different now because... At that time, you know, the internet was so like media. a newer, mm -hmm. a newer thing, and yeah. so to get access to a lot of things, you were mostly like reading books and stuff like yeah. that. And so um, there was just like a lot of I didn't know, and I just really enjoyed just kind of being in that like, oh, this you know person has this perspective, and this professor saying this. And, mm -hmm. uh, it's probably like a lot of like self exploration too, learning mm -hmm. more about like yourself, your, yeah. your interests are, you know, you yeah. said like math and science, physics. Mm -hmm. Definitely taking different classes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In Michigan State? My favorite experience in college was definitely studying abroad multiple times. I mean, being able to get credit and travel to museums and hear authors and poets do readings and, you know, see different parts of the world was really incredible. And I made some, you know, long-lasting friendships from that. You know, in addition to everything Mr. Rayfeld said, just the flexibility that you have in mm -hmm. college. I mean, you have almost endless time compared to, like, what you have once you're an adult. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem like that when you're in college, mm -hmm. but really you have so much time. Yeah. <laughs> and the world is your oyster. I mean, you can really do and be whatever you want, and you're so young and you don't have a lot of responsibilities. And Michigan State, <clears throat> Michigan State specifically, one of my favorite things was just the school spirit. Everyone is so, is such a proud... Culture. Spartan, yeah. and there's just a lot of school pride. Big Ten has some of the best rivalries. Right. So that was that was just fun. You know, game yeah. days and that kind of thing was really fun. Okay. Um, and, you know, also just the beauty of Michigan State's campus. Mm -hmm. It's It was built in the, the original buildings are from the mid-1800s. So about the same time that court case was happening, <laughs> Michigan State was, <laughs> was established as a, as a university. <laughs> And I grew up on that campus. I used to go to yeah. classes with my mom during the summer because oh. she went back to school when I was in yeah. kindergarten. So just have a lot of really fond memories of the campus generally. I, I know I've talked to you about it before, but I kind of forgot. Where did you go study abroad exactly? Did you go somewhere in the Middle East? No, uh, that would have been great, no, but I so that wasn't available when I was in school. So I, I was limited to Europe because I was an English major. Yeah. So I did, I spent six months in Ireland and then studied um, and then went around, traveled on my own through Western Europe. Like Frankenstein. Hopefully with a better ending, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then I did a summer in Spain Spain's because my, Spanish was my minor. And that's actually how I met Miss Thayer. She did the same study abroad. Oh, you met her before you became, worked here? Yes. Mm -hmm. oh, We've been friends quite a while before we both came to work here. Yeah. So cool. That's a whole the whole other story for a whole different <laughs> other podcast. podcast. That's, that's a third, third podcast. podcast. And then I did, I spent a summer in Hawaii, which wasn't technically a study abroad, but it was, a, it, was it was cultural studies, yeah. cultural and religious studies. 
and I was a student at University of Hawaii and lived on campus, so wow. it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Out of you know, out of the places that you know you study abroad, what place was like the most interesting to you or the most rewarding? I would say the most challenging was living in Spain because I was living in a completely different culture. The language speaking barrier. the language barrier, even though I had studied Spanish, studying it in a classroom is and so so different it. than yeah. living it. And at the time, George W. Bush was president, and he was not very popular. <laughs> and right before we went to Spain, there had been a, I believe it was a train bombing. So there was a lot of anti-American sentiments when I was there. So that was that was tough, but it was a very good experience for me. And then, like, I know, especially with, like, the Spanish culture, they have so many different traditions. You wouldn't even think of, but, like, the times that they eat, there's only a certain times that, you know, you eat. Mm-hmm. Like, lunch is supposed to be at this time. Mm-hmm. And Dinner is things very like that late. is really different Siesta. than how we do it yes. in, like, America. Yes. So I can, but Spain's a beautiful place. You still must have really enjoyed it, right? Definitely. Yeah. And I would love to go back. Okay. How about you, Miss Brown? Um, so I, I was lucky. I did a summer study abroad mm-hmm. to Spain, like Miss Lady. Oh, Spain. Um, and so that was really rewarding. And for the reasons she pointed out, like you, you learn and you travel and it's really yeah. cool. Um, but I think just for me, like college was, I like to think of college as like almost total freedom and almost zero responsibility. Mm-hmm. And like <laughs> when you're that? like, you know, 10, 12, 15 years out of college, that yeah. looks pretty great yes, <laughs> to have total freedom and no responsibility. And I was lucky. Like I didn't really have, you know, like I, I got some, scholarships and financial aid and stuff but I didn't really have much in terms of like student debt or mm-hmm. or tuition payments or whatever mm-hmm. I, I realized like a lot of kids don't have zero oh, yeah. you know um, responsibility a lot of them have to work their way through yeah. so so I was really lucky and I um I think I, I tried to make the most of it like um and you know Mr. Rayfield says like conversations and access to ideas and I think some of my fondest memories of college are just like this sounds so nerdy, but I love to just go to the library and, like, get my little study carol and, like, just study for, like, hours and mm-hmm. hours. And you feel true. so mm-hmm. accomplished mm-hmm. at the end of that. Mm-hmm. Like, you learn things and you, like, know stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and you, you just feel like you're kind of, like, using your time wisely. It's so uh-huh. dorky mm-hmm. to say that. And it's very, like, studying is very meditative, mm-hmm. I feel like, if you're doing it correctly. You get in this zone, zone. where you're so yeah. focused on learning about this one subject. Yeah. And after that, you just feel really good, like, I actually did something today. Yeah, right, you, right accomplishment. Yeah. And, like, you, you, I look back at my college papers, and I, like, one summer, and I was like, oh, these are going to be terrible. And some of them were not great, but, but some of them were like, wow, like, I learned stuff in that yeah. class. Mm-hmm. And, like, I wrote things mm-hmm. about yeah. it. And, you know, you feel accomplished. And, and I also think, like, you'll, you know, for me, like, just having conversations with people who are also open to these new ideas, mm-hmm. like, you'll you'll just, like, end up, you know, late night at, like, Denny's or IHOP or something, mm-hmm. having, like, really deep philosophical conversations mm-hmm. with people, and, like, that's cool. Yeah, like, yeah. that's, I don't think that really happens, or at least it didn't happen for me in high school. Like, high school was more about like the drama and the whatever, you know, college was yeah. more about the ideas and, like. Mm-hmm. Cool people with interesting ideas, having open minds. I don't think I've been to a Denny's and had a deep conversation. <laughs> Just wait. Out. You're going to have that. You can't have a deep conversation unless you're at Denny's. <laughs> That'd be a joke. you got to take mm-hmm. it to Denny's. Yes. But the one thing I found interesting, like so many people, all these college kids I've talked to, like they, a lot of them, you know, during semester exam, week, they go to the library, just grind and all these hours in there. I just can't see myself studying in a library, but do you just like, were you guys like library kids growing up? Because mm-hmm. I've never like really got... I had the attitude of, I always like studying from home. Mm, I'm not very productive at home. (laughs) I find everything to distract me. Like, I will watch something or listen to music or, like, there's a joke when you go to college. It's like, there's no better way to clean your dorm room than when you have a paper due. Mm -hmm. Like, the paper will be due and you're like, oh, I need to clean this now. (laughs) Suddenly, it looks messy. Oh, wow, I really need to do laundry. Right. So, I was more productive. For me, I can't be productive at school. I mean, I know I can pay attention, but actually, like, if you tell me to do work, yeah. I just mm-hmm. talk to her. You just there. hang out and talk. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just hard because all my friends are here, right. so it's like, I just want to talk to them. Even though it might be about, like, what we were doing, like, doing the actual work, sure. I just feel like doing it at home. You want to mm-hmm. do it at home instead. I think in college, though, you're like, you're not, first of all, you're not, you don't know everybody ahead of time. That's mm-hmm. true. Right. And secondly, you're you're either paying for it yourself or you're so you take it more seriously yeah, like true. it's not just like given to you so you're yeah. a little more serious
serious. And you're a little more mature too. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. you're kind of getting a little bit. Hopefully, you're feeling Definitely. more like an adult, and <laughs> you know, like this is my job. I do this now. Yeah. yeah, I know we all have like our our best stories about college, but I just want you guys to talk about maybe a mistake that you made or a regret that you didn't do this or this during your college experience. But looking back on it, hmm. this is a tough question, but. <laughs> I worked a lot during when I was in college and because my program required me to take a lot of classes I had the a, English program and education. education so I had a double major with a minor uh-huh. Wow so I I think I graduated with a hundred and sixty or seventy some credits so it what's was the number that you need to go 120 oh so maybe more I it was a lot um so I spent a lot of time working, studying, and, and spending time with my friends. I wish I had gotten involved in an organization. Uh, sorority? No, 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 <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, no, some kind of either, some kind of... A poetry circle? Like, maybe something, um, maybe <laughs> something literature-based, maybe something, um, maybe something that had to do with civic engagement, so oh, okay. getting... And, you know, getting people who are involved in the local community and educating mm-hmm. people on, you know, political issues and um, topics and getting m- more people in that uh, that base to vote. Yeah. Because those were also very close elections, both, you know, when we were in college. Which years? 2000. Also the Bush Gore. Yeah, 2000 and 2004. Mm-hmm. Who was, was that McCain? That's uh, Bush no, again. Bush, Bush again. And, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. We just talked about this in government video. <laughs> <laughs> My memory's bad. He was talking to us. He was talking to us. <laughs> right? time we were talking I haven't about. been in government in a week because I, I was know. gone on Tuesday. Wait, was that an even day? Yeah, you Thursday. guys, all of you have been gone for stuff. Thank you so much for having me on the show. <laughs> oh, yeah, thank you, Ms. Neiman, for coming. I look Neiman. forward to my return visits. Yeah, yeah, you <laughs> the other ones that you planned. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Bye, guys. Bye. Control have a good evening. Do we, we did talk about John Kerry, but that was like a little bit. Yeah, like just briefly. Like Ten briefly, seconds. Briefly. Okay, I don't yeah. feel as bad at it. No, no. <laughs> but do you guys have any other regrets of things you didn't do? I, actually, I was going to say what, what Miss Neiby said. Being more yeah. involved. In yeah, because like I, yeah, like, uh, likewise, I, I worked and it didn't really occur to me to, to really like get involved. But now that I think about it, like, I wish I would have done that. It's because you get like all this freedom and you don't really know what to do with this, all this extra time. You know, you just spend it with your friends or you just spend it studying. You're like not used to having so much time and not like, mm-hmm. like little responsibility. Yeah. And then you, I think you might not also think about how you might appreciate some of those things later on. Mm-hmm. You know, you might, you don't really think in terms of, I might look back and say, I wish I would have done this, this and been more involved. Like, you know, we can all spend less time lounging around watching TV yeah, yeah. or whatnot. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess that would be my thing, too. And then, since you went to UNLV, did you dorm, on, did you live on campus, or do you live with your, your parents? Or I, yeah, I, I live with my parents, uh-huh. so they're in town, and I, and, I, and I saved money doing that. Mm-hmm. You might say that's a regret. I don't know because I never lived in a dorm, yeah. and so sometimes I do look back and like like on movies and stuff. Like everyone's always in the dorms <laughs> and stuff like that. Like, would you rather? I was gonna ask, would you rather gone to like an out of state university or somewhere where you just lived on campus? Right. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm kind of two ways about it because sometimes I think yeah that would have been really cool to like live on a dorm and just kind of be away yeah. and just kind of doing my own thing. But at the same time, you really enjoyed your experience either way. I did, yeah. I, I enjoyed it like this. Um, you know, had no problem living at home, and it, it, it was cheaper. And sometimes oh, I yeah, hear horror too. stories about the dorms, and you're like living in like this tiny little place, yeah. and you might have a roommate, and you might not get along. And, yeah. yeah, communal bathrooms. For me, it's again a very nerdy answer. I I would have done all the reading if I had to do it over again. All the reading, like reading books. So there's this thing that English majors do, right? So my degrees are in mm-hmm. poli sci and, and English, yeah. and uh, English. Actually, do you, did you ever watch John Mulaney's stand-up? Did we talk about that? Uh, no, but I know he's It's really funny, yeah. and he talks about this in his... Because he was also an English major, and he talks about how, like, he didn't... He, he basically got a degree for reading books he didn't read. And, like, I feel like that's... It's funny because it's a little bit true. Like, you'll, you you get so notes? much reading assigned... No, I never used spark notes, but you just get so much reading assigned, and you, you'd have to read, like... Like, you have class on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and you'd yeah. literally have to read a book for every class. One book every... Right, so, like... Really? If I had to do it over again, I would 
actually thoroughly do all the reading. And I would read like every article or textbook chapter assigned to me because I feel like I, I wish now, now that I'm teaching the exact classes my degrees are in, yeah. it would benefit me immensely to have done all of that reading. Okay. Instead of kind of like halfway doing some of it, skimming it, yeah. or like just not getting to a book at all, and then kind of having to sit there in the, in the discussion and BS my way through it a little bit. So, mm-hmm. And I, there's no excuse. Like I didn't, I mean I work too, but I didn't work enough. To, like I wasted a lot of time. Yeah. And I should have just but done a book every class is not really demanding. Yeah. Well, but I mean, they're only like they're, it would be like a novel or a book of short stories, and so it would be uh-huh. like not, you know, or or it'd be like one a week or whatever, depending on the type of book and the, the length, length of the book and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's definitely more than you have in high yeah. school, though. Like the mm-hmm. reading lengths are longer. You should expect to, even if you're not an English yeah. major, if you're a lot of reading. Yeah, you should expect reading. to do a lot of reading. Oh, get used to it. <laughs> yeah, it's something you have to kind of build up to. But but again, like if you, you know, just get it done. And, and also knowing that you're paying for it helps, I think. That's true. You're more motivated. Right? You don't want to waste this money that your right. parents are spending, you're spending. Exactly. Right. So we really kind of touched, touched on like what you'd want to do if you weren't uh, like a, a teacher, a government teacher, a psychology teacher. So what do you guys, do you guys have a favorite class outside of your major that, you know, you really enjoy? In college? Yeah. yeah. Yes, but I'm thinking of what it was now. Oh, I took a sociology class that was super so, interesting. So kind of like psych- psychology? Kind, like... Yeah, which is a little bit cheating because that's still a social sciences class. Oh, no, no, no you can but, talk about it. But sociology. I really like that class. I actually took a theory of music class that was super cool, too. Music theory. I really, really? like that, yeah. Is it was the sociology one a lot of, like, the, the ethical dilemma stuff? Or is it, it was more, more just like, like studying why like people are the way they why are. people are the way they are and why like groups mm-hmm. act the way groups act with each other and like mm-hmm. I remember learning about like how even in like very informal social groups yeah. a hierarchy emerges and like yeah. that was fascinating to me because you could see it like you could just observe yeah, out the everything. world yeah that's why I love like psychology like Mr. Rayfield tells me these things and like I see it you in see myself it. or I right. see it in my friends and like wow that's crazy mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I would say well I took I took some music classes too and so I, I really love that guitar and classes then, or just uh, music theory history? I did I started playing guitar in college I took a guitar class were you serenading people I was not serenading <laughs> people <laughs> I can um, see you doing that they would have thrown, thrown stuff at me it's <laughs> not very good what um and then, but I, I, like a class that kind yeah. of along those lines that really stood out for me was anthropology. Mm. And really like anthropology. And my like professor really? was really interesting and had traveled yeah. different places in the world. And oh, the, you traveled? The, my professor oh, did. Okay. Um, and, and the books that, that were assigned were just so, so cool. And yeah, I could just read them for fun. Yeah. It, it was yeah. that kind of thing. Like I didn't feel like I had to do the reading. Like I wanted to do the reading. Uh-huh. Was it this, a lot of the same thing where you, you learn about this stuff and then you see it within yourself or within your circle of friends? Some things, yeah. Some 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 of those things, like the hierarchy things, are anthropology, and then it's yeah. just you know it's like the study of Evolution. various cultures, and so yeah. yeah. So you learn about cultures that you would just never come into contact with if yeah. if you hadn't taken a class like that. You know, hunter gatherer groups that That's are true. still living in places in the world and and how they live, and and I just thought that was really really cool. So after you finished teaching, would you like? want to travel the world and go to these areas that you learned about you know interact with these people or maybe not yeah oh well i mean mean, that is a you know a little bit a little bit different because like if you're talking about like a hunter-gatherer group you you don't get to just like walk in there it's like hey i read about you in a book bring your guitar maybe that but, but I would love to travel. travel yes, yes. Experience all these places. different cultures. You too, you'd like to travel? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've got my like cultures. list of places I want to visit. Really? So. What's your What's your top three? So my my actually my top. I went to Scotland a couple years ago and loved it, and so I'm going to go Why back Scotland? this summer. Well, my like some of my like family, family my ancestors are from Scotland uh-huh. originally, so it's cool. But I just find the history so interesting, and like I'm kind of a little bit of like an Anglophile. Um, so I like like Ireland, Scotland, England. Mm-hmm. I find all that stuff interesting. But mm-hmm. probably next would be Hong Kong, just because I think Hong the whole Kong. like East meets West thing is really cool That's and interesting. interesting too. So I yeah. was born in Singapore, so I think that was oh, it's nice. kind of like Hong, you know, Hong Kong. It's really modernized. Mm-hmm. I mean, I only lived there for a year, but my dad worked there for ten years as an engineer, and you know, it's so interesting about how the dense population, but yet how they how clean they were how structured everything was. It's really 
different than what it is in Vegas. Totally. Yeah, Singapore is a really interesting city because yeah. of that, because they do some things like really, really well, <laughs> yeah. and they're like a model for the world. Yeah, it's crazy. But do. also like very authoritarian, right? Yeah, that's I why so, I, yeah. I, I'd, I'd rather live in a city like Vegas. I mean, sometimes it, there's a lot of context, bad things in Vegas mm-hmm. that you don't have in Singapore. It's really, sometimes it's really dirty in Vegas. But at the same time, you get more, just like more land, more freedom. Yeah. There's a lot more to experience. Yeah. How about you? Do you have a top, you know, where you want to go? Places I would go, yeah. Um, you should go to Toronto. Toronto. <laughs> it's a good place. Um, never been to Canada. Really? So, so I would oh. like to. Oh, been to oh not a bunch of times. But remember, Montana's right on right. the border. So you went Canada, to like Vancouver so. or to like Alberta or something? I've been to Vancouver, Victoria, Montreal. Uh, Montreal's beautiful. P.E. Island, Nova Scotia. I've been actually a lot all over yeah. Canada. <laughs> You've been to more Calgary. Canada than I have. Yeah, I've been to a lot of Canada. <laughs> wow, that's cool. But that's I lived there. I mean, I lived on the, right. Right on the border. You, you, you drove yeah. everywhere? So when I was growing up, we drove into Alberta several times because it was like, oh, I think I grew up 50 miles from the Canadian border. Oh, so. oh yeah. that's really close. And then when I lived in Seattle, I went to like Vancouver, Vancouver. and Victoria a few times because yeah. it was right there. And then and then I just, a couple times for fun, went to like the east coast of Canada, but I've never been to Toronto. So. Have you ever seen the Northern Lights? I've always wanted to do that. Just a tiny bit. You can actually see just a little tiny bit of the Northern Lights greenish, in Montana. In the, yeah, just that greenish pink. Yeah. never like pronounced, but. It's far enough north that you can see. I've always and bit. the one thing I wanted because of the uh, light pollution here, you know, you never see the yeah. uh, the stars mm-hmm. in the sky. I've always been interested in stars. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's just really cool about like they're shining in the sky. As a kid, I used to think that you know when we die, we'd become stars. So I'd be like thinking about you know one time it's my turn to like light up the night sky. I'll be up there. Mm-hmm. So I feel like stars mean a lot to me. So I'd like I'd always I'd always wanted to go somewhere I could just see all the stars in the sky. I feel that'd be pretty cool. You could try, like, camping at, like, Mount Charleston That's or true. someplace yeah. like that. And you can, yeah. and when you do that, like, it's really cool. And you yeah. can, it's like, it's amazing, like, how many are up mm-hmm. there because you're right, we never see them when we're yeah, we never in see the them city. When we're down here. Sometimes we do see them, but then it's, like, one, and then you had to look, mm-hmm. over, you had to look really hard to actually find them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you, t- Toronto, for both of you, Toronto's mm-hmm. a great place. I think mm-hmm. it's, you know, we think Vegas is diverse. I think Toronto's diverse in its own ways. There's a lot of different groups there, you know, the culture there, the sports, food. I think food's a lot better in Canada. Really? <laughs> yeah. We live in a pretty good food That's city, true. Though. We, we a do, lot of good because food of the Vegas. tourist destination. Mm-hmm. Right. I think the, the food is more culturally, like, how do I say this? Culturally uh, authentic. Authentic. That's okay. what I was trying to say. Mm-hmm. Culturally authentic because all these cultural groups have such a big presence in Canada. Mm-hmm. It is such a, an accepting place. Right. Whereas in the U.S., it's kind of like that that assimilation thing yeah, more you, than yeah, in Canada, yeah. I think, probably. Yeah. yeah, because and because there are a lot of minorities there, other minorities are comfortable going there because, you know, there's right. other people that, you know, are dealing with the same type of, right. you know, transition between their country and moving to Canada. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, the last thing I wanted to ask you guys about, like, before, um, before we end this is... Any other pieces of advice for you know income, incoming college students like me, or you know experience that you should experiences I should try to you know go for or experiences I should try to avoid? Hmm. I would say, um, I think Miss Nevy was kind of alluding to this earlier, but like, just like appreciate like what you have mm-hmm. when when you're in college, like the fact that you know you don't have to work I mean you might have a job but yeah, yeah. but but you know you might not have to appreciate the work full time responsibility just to, with a lot of freedom right. yeah um and just yeah the, the idea that that is not going to last forever um yeah. and and you have like I was saying earlier access to so much information where you don't really have to seek it out in your free time like now when I want new information it's something that I have to do outside of my job but yeah. when you're in college that is your job um and so just kind of like that you're getting so many ideas and, and it's just kind of the core of your day mm-hmm. um, is, is what I would say. Um, so I think like a couple of things, like looking back from my perspective now, I wish I had like taken more risks in college. Mm-hmm. Like I wish I had explored, explored a more, more and, and kind of put myself out there more and not been afraid of like, you know, Being oh, is this a, person? yeah, or like, or like, um, not even in an academic way, just like it's it's such a cool time because you've got like all these people who are yeah. 
you you're you have access to a lot of cool people, mm-hmm. you know, and like I think so not just academically but just also like socially. Meeting new people. Yeah, mm-hmm. just like putting yourself out there mm-hmm. and doing stuff and trying things you haven't tried before because I think college really is that time for exploring and That's true. and all that stuff. Um, but then I think the other piece of advice is like what's really cool about like you guys going to college now when you're yeah. going to college is like the world the world needs you so much. Like our generation messed stuff. Well, it's not really our generation. It's more like baby boomers and Gen X. We're 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 okay so far. But like we kind of like the, the world kind of got messed up, I think. And like you yeah. guys are going to I know you're going to fix it. Hopefully. I, I really think so. But I also think that like it's a really cool time to be a college student because mm-hmm. I think we're kind of seeing another kind of like almost 60s period where like this college students are going to be like some of the leaders in terms of like social and cultural changes and political changes and like so I would say like get involved in that like go do some of that stuff get involved in stuff you care about and and don't just like treat it as like a selfish pursuit it's more like being a person for others too and like Mm -hmm. contributing and that goes back to you know being involved with your community and the, at the college, mm-hmm. and what something like you guys were talking about earlier. Yeah, I think Miss Nibi mentioned like getting involved in stuff that yeah, would just, help you right. do that. Become a better, more well-rounded individual. Mm-hmm. You know, explore mm-hmm. more about yourself. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, don't think that um, you know, like like getting involved in politics or, or just social issues is like something. Oh, I'll I'll do that later when I'm yeah, I'm an adult. Like, adult. In, in a way, like time. that's the time to do it. Yeah. And. And yeah, like you're, you know, if you just kind of follow the the political situation, like your yeah. your age group can really make a difference in, in the country, like Miss Brown. Yeah, yeah, because I think when you get older, like you might be more interested and more knowledgeable, but yeah. you're also you have way more obligations. You know, that's like true. you've got like you gotta support a family, a family yeah. or a house or a pets yeah, or a mortgage right. or mm-hmm. you know or health issues or whatever. You, you just off like, the list now. Yeah. <laughs> so college is kind of like the time yeah. to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, I want to thank both of you guys for coming on. I really did have a really fun time talking to you guys. Um, I've known you guys for two years, but I learned a lot talking to you in a, for an hour. Hopefully you learned a lot about me, too, and a lot about each other. Yeah, Probably yeah, you didn't sure. know before. Yeah, this was fun. And um, you guys are definitely welcome on any other episode <laughs> if you guys want to come We're together come and come crash again. crash your podcast. Right? You <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, just come in, and, and we can just talk. Um, so uh, that was the end of the fourth episode of the Rama Rundown. Be sure to tune in next week. I do not know who's going to be on, but hopefully it will be just as interesting.